episode 148 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. You can't be pro-Putin and pro-democracy. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. Welcome to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. I'm Chris Hahn, your host. Thank you for downloading, liking, subscribing, telling friends, tweeting, commenting, everything you do to make this podcast grow each and every week for 148 weeks. That's why I keep doing it. We keep growing. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know last week I spent a lot of time complaining about how the GOP was rooting for Putin. Uh, I think in the week that has come past, and we said this last week, it was going to be a long week last week, and it surely was a long week. And if you think it was long for you uh, listening in the well, in the uh, comfort of your homes, unless you're listening to me in Ukraine, and I know I get a few downloads there, um, can you imagine what they are going through in Ukraine right now? It is, uh, without a doubt, very difficult for me to watch. It's very difficult for, I'm sure, you to watch. This is a country that is standing up to a tyrant, to a thug, Vladimir Putin. Um, President Biden has done a phenomenal job rallying the world to put crippling sanctions on Russia, on the oligarchs themselves. You see even FIFA banning them from international competition. You see uh, one of the oligarchs owns the, uh, the team Chelsea, which plays in the British League. Uh, They are being banned from that league, or he is being banned from that league for a little while. I put in a blind trust. Uh, It is a, uh, there has been a a, a great response, but the Ukrainians still are being assaulted by one of the largest, most sophisticated militaries on the planet. And they are being, they are fighting back with weapons that have been provided by the West, but without any help from anyone. And I, I, I am obviously... A pacifist, I do not like to see our nation go to war. But when you look at the moves this man is making, Vladimir Putin, moving into Ukraine, unabated. And now, granted, he's having a difficult time. This is not making his military look to be the mighty military that it is. But it's it's only a matter of time before Ukraine falls. Now, I hope I'm wrong. But when you can throw so much at them, it's only a matter of time. And, and frankly, if the resistance, which has been very strong by the Ukrainian military and civilians, continues to thwart the progress of Russia, I fear that they will use superior air power to carpet bomb that nation, inflicting massive casualties on the Ukrainians. Now, I don't know what we're going to do today. Uh, NATO said they will not be enacting a no-fly zone over Ukraine. I believe a no-fly zone would be something that would be very good. I think it would make it very difficult for the Russians to advance into Ukraine without their air force and their helicopters providing cover to their ground troops. But of course, uh, that puts us in a situation where you could have the Russians, even by accident, shooting down an American aircraft or a German or an English or a French aircraft. And now you have two or more nuclear powers in a standoff. You saw that over the weekend, Putin put his uh, nuclear defenses on high alert, which is a scary thought to me. I think it should be a scary thought to you. Um, I uh, I think it's a lot of bluster. There's been a lot of talk about his mental state. I think it's a lot of bluster. 
But again, we thought his advancement into Ukraine was a lot of bluster. Now he's talking about maybe attacking Finland or Sweden or Poland uh, or Lithuania. I, I, I don't know how long we have to hear this guy tell us exactly what he's going to do before we start believing what he says. He has been telling us for months he was going to go into Ukraine. We did not believe it, myself included. I've had major guests on here who have a lot of information, more information than you or I have. They didn't believe it. Well, you know, now he's doing it. So now it's time to believe it. It is time for us to believe that this man is a threat to the safety of not just the Ukraine, but of all of the West, including the United States of America, as he threatens us with his nuclear arsenal. So I, for one, believe it, and I think he needs to be stopped in his tracks now. And if that means that we need to put a no-fly zone over Ukraine, then we put a no-fly zone over Ukraine. Our F-22s could take down a Russian MiG before the Russian MiG even knows the F-22 is in anywhere near them, can take them down from over the horizon, over 50 miles away. And believe me, Putin knows this. And he does not want to see his Air Force come up against our Air Force because what Putin's doing right now is trying to reassert himself as a military power on the planet so that we take him seriously, so that we take the Russians seriously. And if we put our Air Force and our aircraft carriers and our Navy in that conflict just to provide air cover, to to level the playing field a little bit, to make it so you can't carpet bomb civilians, he's going to look incredibly weak. His army is going to look incredibly weak. They look weak now, frankly. And I know that, you know, by the time you're listening to this, if you're listening to this later in the week, things may have changed on the ground there in Ukraine, but it's going to change on the ground because he's going to use more aircraft. He's going to use more cruise missiles. He's going to use more rockets. It is not going to be because his army advanced and took the city. It's going to be because he destroyed the city and didn't care how many civilians he had to kill along the way. And frankly, I'm an American. I believe that America is the last great hope on this planet. And I cannot stand back and watch this tyrant terrorize innocent civilians for no good reason. Now, I love that our economic sanctions have, are starting to, I mean, they appear to be working. They, they, Russia didn't even open their stock market today on Monday. They appear to be working. There is talk that there are protests around Russia and that the oligarchs around Putin are are growing increasingly concerned with his state of mind. And I'm sure they're getting concerned that uh, summer's coming. We're planning on going to the Hamptons and now we're not allowed to go there. Planning on going to the south of France. We're not allowed to go there. In fact, they seized my villa there. Hope you like driving that yacht around in the Arctic Ocean because you're not bringing it to the Mediterranean this year. So yeah, there are people around him that are, you know, growing increasingly more concerned and there, you know, the, the, there are protests and, and he's locked up about 10,000 protesters in Russia who have been protesting this war. They are comparing him to Mussolini in Russia right now. And we all know how it ended for Mussolini. Now, so again, I, I, am, I don't want to see us dragged into a war here. But I also don't want to appease him either. Appeasement does not work. He will not stop at Ukraine. Poland will be next. Lithuania will be next. The Baltic states will be next. He will not stop. He wants to rebuild the Soviet 
union. He has told us as much. And if we don't stop him, he is going to be at the border of Germany before we know it. He'll take back East Germany, or maybe he'll take all of Germany. I don't know. Maybe he'll take all of Europe. I don't know. I just think appeasement is not an action. Now, as for domestic politics, uh, clearly there's been a 180 among conservatives this week, except for Donald Trump, by the way, who is still refusing to really call Putin out. Uh, he was asked on the sidelines of CPAC, the, the grift fest that is going on that went on last week in Orlando, if he had any words for Putin, and he said, no, he does not. Of course not. It's his buddy. I, uh, I don't know if I talked about this last week on the pod, but I definitely talked about it on my radio show on Thursday night. Mike Pompeo, a West Point graduate, Okay, West Point, the best of the best in this country. When I worked for Senator Schumer, I evaluated countless, you know, uh, resumes and applications for people seeking Chuck's nomination to West Point. These young men and women were among the best of the best. It was almost impossible to distinguish these people from each other. They were so good, so good. Mike Pompeo graduated top of his class at West Point, and he's out on national freaking television as Putin's about to invade Ukraine for no reason, praising him. West Point grad. I I don't know if they could take his degree back, but they should take his degree back. I, I for one, am not going to let Republicans who spent the last month praising Putin because they thought that by praising Putin, it was a unfavorable uh, comparison between Putin and Biden which is clearly not the case. Putin's become ever increasingly isolated and Biden is looking pretty strong. And you know, I, you know, his polls that came out over the weekend were still kind of weak. Give it a month, give it a month. Uh, Polls tend to be a lagging indicator, especially right now. They will not be a lagging indicator at the end of next week, two weeks. I think that this moment for Biden is actually pretty good. He looks like a leader. He looks strong. And uh, he's doing what he needs to do. But you would think that conservatives would rally around the flag, but they're not going to. And the reason why they're not going to, I'll be very clear. They see this as a moment where Biden can really improve his standings with the American people. They see this. They know that this is a possibility. They don't want to let him have that moment. So even in this moment where we would normally, as Americans, all unite in our opposition to Putin. The Republicans are going to try to find the way to make Biden look weak, even if it meant siding with Putin, which is what they did. Never let them forget it. We know who Putin is now. It is very clear. Even those living down the rabbit hole of QAnon and right-wing conspiracy nuts know who Putin is now. I'm sure if we took a poll of who Putin was right now in the United States of America, 90% of Americans would hate him. There's always 10% that are nuts, right? At least 10%. So, um, so yeah. They don't want to They don't want to give Biden his chance here. They don't want to give Biden his moment. But you know what? It might be out of their control. I say give it a month. I think Biden will be in the mid-40s, high-40s, maybe even the low-50s a month from now. All right, I got a great guest, Sarah Burris. She's been on the show before. We're going to talk about the coverage uh, of the Ukrainian conflict, and then I'll be back to wrap up the show.
Sarah Burris is joining me now. Sarah is what are you? What are you like the the main the chief cook and bottle washer at Raw Story? <laughs> I mean, you do everything there, right? Uh, I do. Uh, I have not uh, bottle washed, but I definitely make all the baked goods. You definitely so. you you're baking up a storm over there at uh, at Raw yeah. Story. About eleven store eleven eleven to twelve stories a day. <laughs> so. Sarah, I've been talking about Ukraine all night, and I am blown away by the lack of rallying around our nation's interest by the right, and particularly a guy who I used to do a lot of TV with, Tucker Carlson, uh, basically parroting Putin's talking points all night, all day, while you know Ukrainians are dying. Yeah, this has been really horrifying, um, just watching... You know, people, Ukrainians are dying and um, and Tucker is talking about how, you know, Putin is right. And uh, he even went so far as to say that Ukraine wasn't even a democracy last night, which is so frustrating. Yeah. Because, you know, it, it is a fledgling democracy, right? Like this is something I feel like the global community has worked really, really hard on. We want to spread democracy. We want um, stronger countries like this. But Ukraine they elect a president. They elect a parliament. The The president appoints a, a Supreme Court and a judiciary. So this is a democracy far more than anything in Russia. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, it, it's really frustrating to see somebody. Um, and honestly, I wonder if maybe Tucker has just gone down the rabbit hole so much with the right wing, like down the rabbit hole, through the looking glass, around the Hidden Valley. Yeah. Um, and he's just gone so crazy. He, I, I just he find it hard to believe. From it. I find it hard to believe knowing the guy that he believes any of it, frankly. Uh, you know, I feel like it wasn't that long ago when I we were chatting it at the the Ron Paul Revolution rally in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, he He's a pot pie prince. You would yeah. you would think that <laughs> you would think he'd have some people around him that are like, hey, hold on a minute. I mean, this is a far cry from the Reagan Republicans that hated Russia to where we are now. Yeah. And uh, just, just the fact that the Republican party has taken such a bizarre turn. Um, Cause it's not even, you know, it's not right or left. It's just a, it's a completely different, you know, over the river and through the woods kind of a turn. I, think, I, don't these, understand. I think these far right media personalities, they've got to be on the payroll, right? I mean, what, what else is going to make them be that far out? I mean, Tucker's comments are something you would you would expect to see like on the dark web, but he's doing it at eight o'clock on Fox exactly. News. Exactly. Like this isn't even acceptable acceptable Republicanism, right? It's a weird thing. Like this isn't this isn't even um, you know I crazy right wing people. You typically don't see people crap talking the United States. Um, compared to russia right and so i'm just like and i hate to be you know like it makes me go back to remembering the iraq war and i was like you know whenever we were talking about how we didn't want the iraq war they were telling us that we were unpatriotic right like at the very least i supported my country i didn't like what we were doing right I supported my country right I, I look i have no problem with somebody saying they have a policy difference with the president when it comes to how you're responding in Ukraine. That is your right as an American. But please don't tell me 
Please don't go on national television night after night after night and praise a dictator as if he was a, you know, independently, democratically elected person, uh, you know, who's out there doing the best. He's not even doing what's in the best interest of his own country. It is it is ridiculous. It's like straight up pop star George Clooney kind of worship. Yeah, it's just gotten really weird. Um, and so I don't know if he's fallen and hit his head or um, if, or if he's on a, a, a dictator payroll or something. But you would think that his pot pie fortune would, would be enough for him, but maybe it's not. Yeah, you would think all that bird's eye money. You would think that he would be, not bird's eye, Swanson. He's a Swanson. Swanson, yeah. Yeah, TV dinners and pot pies and frozen peas. You, you would think that he would be, he'd be sat. For, and I think he is. I mean, his Fox News contract would be setting anybody for life. Uh, that's a normal person, but you, you know, there's something really wrong about what's going on here with the way the media, you know, the right wing media is handling. You you put on any other media, you put on CNN, you put on MSNBC, you watch your late local news, whatever you're watching, they are covering this straight up that this is like an attack by an aggressive Russia against a helpless Ukraine. And it is, it is sickening to see the right-wing news outlets. And and by, by the way, the former president of the United States, Donald Trump, going on right-wing radio and right-wing television, and, and again, supporting and praising Putin. Yeah, and talking about, my favorite thing was last night when he was on Laura Ingram, and he, he said basically two contrasting statements that I can't quite figure out what it means, where he said, um, you know, that, that he, he called Putin savvy, and he said that this was a smart idea. But then he also said, if I was president, this would never happen. Right, right. Well, because what is it? Well, smart things never happened when he was president. So right? maybe that's what yeah. he was thinking. <laughs> uh, it was like, a, but no, if he was president, it wouldn't have happened. He would have just handed Putin Ukraine. There would be no sanctions. There would be no, you know, there wouldn't have been, this wouldn't even been stalled. It would have been like, you know, he would have sent the CIA in to assassinate the, the president of Ukraine if he could. Uh, it, yeah, it, I- what would have happened? What would have happened if he was president? Uh, One of two things, either he would have just handed Ukraine over to Putin or he would have felt that he needed to respond and we'd be in World War Three. Yeah, I was terrified that when I was thinking about this last night, I was like, God, I wonder if he would have just sent troops in to help with Russia to help Russia. Yeah, that's how bad I was thinking. Yeah, this could happen. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a nightmare. I I am. I'm frankly, you know, I, I I tried not to watch it all day. I watched a lot of it. I watched a lot of it last night. I've been getting very angry. Um, and I, I'm blown away. I, I don't understand how this we've come to this and how there is a part of this country that is okay with it. I, I don't get it. And I think, too, like this kind of goes back to Iraq as well, where, uh, you know, a lot of folks were talking about how we shouldn't be fighting all of these crazy wars. Um, and, and I remember us talking about how we wanted to help establish um, a solid government in Afghanistan. Right. Um, like, we have a very strong piece of the United States government that does democracy building, that does work all around the, the world, um, not just with, with governments, but we have, you know, relationships with NGOs where we're doing incredible things on the ground to help yep. people. And it's so frustrating to see, you know, something so tyrannical. Like there, there are stories about, you know, what they did on Snake Island where they basically bombed all of the, the soldiers on Snake Island mm. and said, you know, lay down your arms or, or we're going to bomb you. And Ukraine was like, well, 
F off, buddy. Yeah, this is what I haven't seen in the reporting. Like, I, I'm hearing all the reports about the Russians invading. I have not heard yet about how the U- Re- Ukrainians are responding. Are they fighting? Are they standing up? Are they taking casualties with the Russians? I mean, what is going on? I haven't heard any of that. I mean, I, I know it's early and it's fog of war and all that other stuff. But I'm hoping that the international press gets that story, too. I, I, I'm hopeful that the Ukrainians are fighting back. I started a Twitter list that um, I'll, I'll push out and tweet about um, because I, I had a, um, a kid friend who was like, I don't know what I should be reading about this. And so I made a Ukraine list of people who are on the ground, media sources that are reliable oh, nice, on the ground. Nice. Um, and a bunch of the leaders, the foreign ministers, people from both Ukraine, Latvia, Estonia, like all of the guys. Um, and, and a lot of the stories that I have seen are that people are furious. Yeah. And that they thought that this is never going to happen because they they view Russia as as like a brother. Like yeah. it's your your next door neighbor. Yeah. And they didn't they thought that this was just aggression that it wasn't really going to happen. There was some great reporting on that on CNN where they were actually talking to people in Moscow who were like crying like, you know, my 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 boyfriend is Ukrainian. His family's there. You know, they it's they're like sister countries. It would be like us invading Canada. Right. And honestly, that was one of the other things that Trump said is he was like, this is what we should be doing on the U.S.-Mexico border. And I was like, invading Mexico? Yeah, it's freaking insane. He's an insane. This man can never be anywhere near the presidency again. All this talk about Russian cyber hackers. I've got to think we've got our own cyber hackers in this country that can, you know, do some damage over there. Yeah. And we had seen some reports earlier this morning about uh, that there was there was conversation about uh, a, a basically a cyber attack that the United States would do uh, on Russia. And um, so I had mentioned it to a friend. I was like, I think there's a, a quiet conversation going on about this. And she was like, yeah, no, there, it's very loud. Everybody's talking about it now. Um, so then we just started speculating on wouldn't it be cool if. Right. You know, and, and, and we were talking about how much we loved that whenever Anonymous used to hack people, they would take over a website and put something really embarrassing or, you know, make fun of the people that they hacked. And, you know, I don't feel like the United States government is really going to Photoshop a naked photo of Putin with a micro penis. But yeah. it would be hilarious if they did. I, he's got to have one, right? I mean, why else would you need this big of an army to, to do anything? Exactly. He's a very little guy, too. Like, you, it's hard to tell because he's got cables he, the size of Nebraska, but. Um, he wears he wears yeah. heels, right? Yeah, it, it, it's it's it, he he has definitely got. I was watching that uh, that meeting he had with his security council yesterday. Did you see any mm-hmm. any of that? He starts yelling at a guy who he's been working with for fifty years, berating him. I I I got it. He seems like a guy who's unhinged, or this is like a midlife crisis. Although he's very old at this point, right? So he's got to be in his seventies. He's been been with us forever. Um, you know, I. The, the guy's breaking down, right? It is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It kind of, it makes me think of the, um, oh, what is that? The World War II movie where they show Hitler with his, uh, all of his guys and he's just like berating them and throwing stuff everywhere and everybody always like redubs the, the um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why these guys, like the guy who he was berating, berating is like his head of, you know, intelligence services or something of that nature. Why does he let him get away with it? Why doesn't he just 
take him out. I don't understand. Right. Like the guy is bringing his country to war. That is going to be look. They're going to take casualties. They're not going to take as many casualties as Ukrainians, but they're going to kill a lot of Russians while they're invading. The Ukrainians are not going to just roll over and die. Okay. Then you're going to get these international sanctions that are going to cripple the Russian economy over the next year or two. Uh, it's going to. I don't understand why are these people allowing this man to get away with it. I had a great guest a couple of weeks ago who had some better knowledge on this and said, look, it's not just him. There are people around him who kind of want to see this happen too. But I don't know, you get berated on national, international television by a guy and you're the guy who controls the Secret Service? Yeah, it seems like the the wrong person to hack off. It makes me think of V for Vendetta whenever the, the basically the Secret Service guy was the one who captured the president. And, you know, maybe maybe that's, one of the allies, the strategic allies that, that our spies should make friends with. Well, we seem um, to have a lot of great intelligence about what he's planning. So I would imagine somebody in that room is on the American payroll. Maybe. And I would say, too, like one of the interesting things about that meeting and, you know, I was talking about the big tables. It seems like all of the photos of Putin are have him very, very, very far away from everybody. Yeah. And. I get it. The Russian vaccine is not as good as as the the global one. Um, So maybe it's just that we need to have a whole bunch of people go in and cough on him. Yeah, that's all it's going to take. Somebody cough on this guy and we're good. You know, let's he he would just faint. Maybe maybe, he's scared. uh, I got the idea. Maybe we get these freedom truckers to go. go to Russia to meet with Putin. Since, you know, they probably like Putin anyway. Maybe the freedom truckers can go to Russia, meet with Putin, infect him with the COVID-19 virus, and then that's it. We're good. There you go. I think this is brilliant. What do you think? Um, You think we could get it done? But I think, too, like you wouldn't even have to actually infect anybody. I think he would pass out just if he saw a bunch of people around him coughing. Yeah, I mean, I think so, too. I mean, that guy clearly, I mean, he had, I mean, that meeting with Macron when he was like, you know, 100 yards away from him and Macron was fully vaxxed. (laughs) Exactly. Like, that's the thing is he's Putin is supposed to be vaxxed. You would think even if he uh, if he didn't if he didn't honestly think that the Russian vaccine was that great, he could have smuggled in some of the global or the Chinese vaccine. I don't you think she could have hit him up when he was down there in China. Yeah, for real. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I, I honestly, Sarah, I mean, I don't understand how a guy like that remains in power for as long as he has and now has this crazy idea of rebuilding the Soviet Union. We got to be very careful here because I don't think this is a one off. I don't think this is his last stop on his reunited, you know, the USSR back in the USSR tour. I don't think that, yeah. that this is his last stop on that. So it's something's got to give here. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about, too, is how long before he starts moving into Poland. And um, it's going to get scary. Yeah, I mean, he moves into Poland. That's an attack on NATO. And that is World War Three. That is, you know, it, we're not going to allow Poland to fall to Russia. Man, and I, I feel very serious about this. Like, I, I didn't think that it would happen either. I thought for sure, you know, oh, he's just being a blowhard. Me too. But seeing this, I was like, oh, crap. Yeah, this is going to ruin. This is going to make this year a horrible year everywhere in the world, not just here in the USA, but everywhere in the world. All right, I'm going to take another quick break, Sarah, and then I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about other things besides uh, Putin and Trump and 
whatever else. Small We're penises. Small penises on <laughs> little men who feel they need to use their tanks to penetrate a country. Sarah, so, uh, you know, moving on from Putin, uh, you know, these truckers in Canada, and this is another thing that the right wing was fascinated with the last couple of weeks. They're like, oh, these, these freedom truckers, they call them. Seems to me that these guys are taking a minor inconvenience and and uh, equating it to an attack and assault on their freedom. And really, wouldn't it be easier just to get the shot than to sit in your truck for three weeks? For real. Uh, and, and two, with the, with the Canadian truckers, I think they were 85% vaccinated. It mm-hmm. was actually a higher percentage of vaccination than the entire country of, of Canada. Right, right, so, right. Their, their unions disavowed them. Their trade association disavowed them. Only 10% of truckers are not vaccinated, according to uh, the statistics I saw yesterday. And and it's it's amazing to me. I, 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 quite frankly, I don't believe this is just a trucker thing. I think this is like a right-wing, you know, plot to kind of make Trudeau look bad and to gum up the works. And, and I'm sorry, you know, he's not evil for letting these guys sit out there for three weeks blocking commerce into Canada, destroying the economy of Ottawa, uh, and then finally towing them away. In the United States, they would have been towed away in a day. Oh, especially, and that's the thing, right? They're they're trying to come to Washington, and uh, it's hilarious because it's just like, dude, you we we have traffic rules around here. Yeah, you got to keep going, and you can't the semis can't go down certain streets because it's a, a narrow, streeted community. It's from the eleven billion years ago, and right you now, if you want to if you want to have a neighborhood that has a lot of parking, then that means that you're going to have to squeeze in. Right. A lot of other cars. Right, so, right, right, right. We have. Uh, so they think so they think they're going to come into D.C., but they're actually uh, they've they've decided they're going to shut down the um, the uh, beltway. Ah, well, how, who would even notice? That's a little, know, that's a little low beltway traffic humor. <laughs> I know. Right? You clearly <laughs> use mass transit. <laughs> but it, well, I, I I very rarely drive on the beltway because it scares me. Um, cause people around here are crazy of all of the cities that I've, I've, I've driven in it. DC is just batty. It's really like survival of the fit. Well, enough. that's because DC is such a confusing city. It's not really a grid, you know, it's, it's got all these roads that go in different directions and you got to know what, which, which side of this, of this the capital you're on. It's all, it's all kind of crazy down there, but you know, I, here's my thing. And I, I know that there are a lot of truckers listening to me on the radio. We have very large tow trucks in the United States of America, and we're not afraid to use them. This is in Canada. We're going to pick up your truck, and we're going to tow it violently, and you're going to have major repair bills as a result of this. And that's the other thing, too, is there really are not that many truckers that are into this movement. Um, They had a whole bunch of of trucks that showed up uh, in California and started their week-long trek to Washington, but the overwhelming majority of them were dropping out right. in Arizona and coming back. Yeah. So how many of them are actually going to show up? The, the Scranton dude, the nutter out of Scranton, he couldn't even get anybody to come with him. So he started doing a, what he called a little parade uh, around the downtown area. But I'm pretty sure you can't call it a parade if it's only one guy. Yeah, no, if, if, it's, just, if it's just one guy, it's not a parade. It's sad. Right. It's a stroll. Yeah, it's, it's a, a stroll. stroll. You're by yourself. 
you need at least, I would say, I wouldn't even say two. I would say you need at least 10 trucks for it to be a parade. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was going low on that one, but, uh, but yeah, even the dude, I think he finally got some friends to join him, but they didn't stay. They basically stopped for breakfast, uh, somewhere. And then he was the only one that went forward with it. And he's going to be in, you know, he's going to be in DC by the end of the day. But the problem is, is that all of these other trucker movements that are supposed to be coming in are coming in at different times. Right. The California one's not going to be here until after the state of the union. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if that many people are actually going to make it and then obviously they got to drive all the way back, that's a lot of time. So most of the teamster guys, the people who are actually have trucks and things they need to deliver, uh, those folks are not coming to this because they don't have the time. No, they're to going that. to work. They're yeah. going to work. And and here in the United States, it's very clear. You definitely have the right to free speech, of the right to protest, but the government can regulate time, place, and manner. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That has been a Supreme Court decision for years. And in Washington, D.C., they'll regulate you onto the mall or somewhere else. You're not going to be able to block traffic for a week here. It's not going to happen. The National Guard is going to tow you away. Yeah. And the other thing, too, like if you're going to shut down the Beltway, you're not talking about people like me in D.C. commuting. You're talking about Pentagon staffers and DOD and NSA and Air Force Base and all of those guys. And you don't want to have 20,000 Pentagon staffers calling the governor of Virginia to complain that they can't get. Oh, and that's what they're and that's what they're going to do. They're going to call the governor of Virginia and the governor of Virginia is going to tow you away. Right. It, this is just it, this is just absurd. These people are like it's hilarious, too, because you don't even think about I, I immediately thought, oh, Youngkin, Glenn Youngkin is going to try and, and play both sides of this. And he's going to try and pretend like he's a trucker fan. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, getting angry calls from Pentagon people. Ugh, yeah, your I'm job. One of your one of your only jobs as governor is to keep the freaking highway open. Right. I right. Mean, you can't keep the highway open. You're not going to be doing too much time as governor. I mean, I guess you only get one term in Virginia anyway, but it's. You know, you, you know, this is a nonsense thing. And, the, you know, I, I don't understand the motivation of these people. And, and clearly they are being paid off by some conservative right wing. We're going to find out over time, right? We're going to find out that this is like some Breitbart.com, you know, scheme. Roger Stone is somehow involved. There's going to there's gonna be something that we find out about this. Nobody's doing this on their own, right? No guy. What they found out in, in Canada, right, was that a bunch of, of American... Uh, right wingers were funding the Canadian movement and the bunch of crazy, you know, uh, uh, West uh, Eastern Europe uh, uh, bots were basically tweeting and promoting and sharing all of their stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because normal Canadians weren't doing this. Normal Canadians were hacked off that they were hearing horns honk until four o'clock in the morning. I always say I've been to Canada a bunch of times in my lifetime and they are the nicest people. I mean, the nicest people I've ever met in my life. They're not the kind of people that are going to you know, block your bridge and not let you yeah. go to work. I, it made no sense to me. I, I, I had, I always thought this whole time, this got to be Americans. There's like some American behind this. This is not something Canadians do. They're too polite. Yeah, that that's true. And I think too, like I know that there were supposed to be a couple of Americans that went up there, but it's like, you're not supposed to enter back in the United States if you aren't vaccinated. Right. So I'm like, what are you going to do, man? <laughs> you're, you're stuck. You're stuck there. You're going to have to go to the border camp like uh, like they do down in, you're going to have to stay stay in Canada. There's a stay in Canada rule. Uh, you know, it, it, it is kind of, again, it seems to me that it'd be a lot easier just to get the shot than to go through all this trouble and give up weeks and weeks and weeks of revenue 
in your rig. And there's plenty of work for truckers right now. Like it's not like there's a abundance of uh, truckers. You, you, if you have a truck and you're an owner operator of a truck, you got plenty of work right now. Yeah. That's the big thing is there are so many different uh, ships coming into ports and trying to drop off supplies because we've had such a supply chain issue for so long. And so they're just, you know, every of all things that, that, you know, there are workers who want jobs. It's anybody who can, who can deliver anything at this point. Yeah. Um, like even my, my stepdad's mom, who is 75, she was like, Oh man, I could, I could get back into this. Cause she used to do, uh, she and her husband were pilots for wide loads and oh, wow. wide loads. My dad was yeah. a trucker. My dad was a teamster for, you know, he's retired now. That's uh, so awesome. Yeah. I do love the teamsters, man. All of the times that I've done work with the teamsters, they have just been the greatest guys. And my dad got vaxxed immediately. As soon as it became available. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, you know, no big deal. A little shot in the arm. I mean, you know, little kids have to get vaccinated for school. Who cares? It What is this is not giving up your freedom. It is a minor inconvenience. Stop it. Every, everybody I know gets the gets the flu shot. Right. And so it's come on. Come on, guys. But they're saying you have to do it, Sarah. They're saying you have to do it. Why do I have to do it? Well, you don't have to be a truck driver either. You could go work, you know, go do something else. Or don't be an international truck driver. Be a truck driver that just goes, you know, around the city. Stay in the South where nobody cares if you're vaccinated or not. I mean, it's, you know, we all have to do our part to get past this crisis. And these people are just so freaking selfish. It drives me crazy. Yeah. That is the the thing that attacks me off the most is the selfishness because there are people still who um, have autoimmune disorders and who can't get vaccinated right. and who can't go out to dinner like we did tonight and, um, you know, and hang out with their friends because they still could die. Yeah. If they get it. Yeah. So, yeah. Don't, don't be that way. Just yeah, be a just, good person. Just do what you got to do for your love country. Your neighbor, yeah. Love your neighbor. You're, 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 you know, you're saying that we're anti-Christian what would Jesus do? He'd get vaccinated yeah. like immediately to help other people. Like, uh, and he'd be here and, and Tucker Carlson would be saying he was a communist for doing it. Right. I mean, yeah, that's, that's true to bring it home, a socialist. to bring it home. I mean, if Jesus was alive today, Tucker Carlson would be calling him a communist. How dare Jesus Christ say Putin shouldn't be shooting at the Ukrainians and love thy neighbor and all other stuff. He'd be making fun of his beard and his sandals. Look at that hippie with his beard and his sandals and his long white robe <laughs> hanging out with prostitutes and tax collectors, you know, that, and fishermen. I mean, it's, that's, what, that's what would be going on right now on right wing media. Sarah, I am coming to the end of our time together and uh, I want to make sure I plug everything you're doing. Why don't you tell people where they can find you and what you got going on? So you can find me on Twitter at, at Sarah Burris. And on the Facebook at Sarah K. Burris. Uh, and I try and make jokes, even though it's really scary right now. I'm going to try and, you know, tweet some silly stuff and some fun stuff and some, I don't know. Well, it's a scary world right now. And it'd be a lot scarier if you weren't in it doing what you do for Raw Story and staying on uh-huh. top of the news, staying on top of the media. You're the best. We love you here at the Chris Han Show. Thank and, you. And uh, thanks for coming on. All right, that was Sarah Burris. Hope you enjoyed that. She's great. Love having her here. And, uh, yeah, it is a scary world. She actually, if you go to her Twitter feed and go to one of her lists, she's got a pretty 
good list of reporters on the ground in Ukraine who are tweeting. Um, it is pretty intense, and I have been following it, been looking at those reporters, been retweeting them as often as I can. Um, also following President Zelensky, a few members of the Ukrainian parliament, all of whom, by the way, have stayed in Kiev and have armed themselves. Um, amazing to me. Uh, we see, especially, you know, when we see the right wing politicians in this country posing with guns and, you know, even some Democrats putting guns in their commercials and going out and hunting legislation and things like that. You know, and you try to, you see these people who are really there fighting against one of the world's greatest armies um, themselves, taking up arms to defend their country. It's amazing. And then you contrast that with guys like Ted Cruz, who, you know, was a little cold in Texas for a couple of days. So he went to Cancun, right? Ran away. Kevin McCarthy running from a, from a reporter who wants to ask them questions. You, you think about this stuff. You think about the real life and death consequences going on in Ukraine and then the posing that goes on and the, the tough guy posing. That's really what it is. It's tough guy posing that goes on on the right where these you know ridiculous human beings, if there was ever real danger, would be heading for the hills. Josh Hawley. Sure, Josh. Yeah, I remember your ad where you were uh, taking apart a gun. Uh, okay. Okay, Josh, let's, let's, why don't you go over to Ukraine? Although I don't like saying that. That's kind of stupid, right? I just, I, I just see the courage of these people and I contrast it with this, the, the posing that goes on in this country and it, it drives me crazy as I'm sure it does you too. If you're listening to me, you probably, uh, you probably feel similarly to, to me. So, so I don't want to, um, I don't want to end this program without talking about President Biden's new Supreme Court justice pick, Judge Brown Jackson, who will become the first African-American female to serve on the United States Supreme Court. That is something that has taken us 240 plus years in this country to get to that point. But uh, she's an amazingly well-qualified judge who will make an excellent Supreme Court justice. Already, people who have voted to confirm her to lower courts, like Lindsey Graham, have lashed out and said she's a tool of the far left, which I don't understand what that even means. This is a woman who has dedicated her life to the law, to law and order, who will be an excellent judge, uh, justice of the United States Supreme Court. So I know that those confirmation hearings will start in a couple of weeks. Um, Biden hopes to have her confirmed by the end of April. She'll begin making the rounds in the United States Senate, having those one-on-one meetings with the senators and their staffs, uh, I think beginning on Wednesday. Uh, obviously, uh, the State of the Union is Tuesday night. Uh, today, if you're listening to this on the first day or last night, <laughs> that's the problem with podcasts. Um, Biden's got his work cut out for him in the Supreme Court in this in this State of the Union address that he's going to give on Tuesday. He has to reassure a nation that he understands that they are feeling pain. Pain with inflation. Some are fearing crime, even though they may not be experiencing crime. Uh, But that is the perception that crime is on the rise. He has to address that. Um, He has to address, obviously, the inflation fears, which we talked about. And he's clearly got to talk about Ukraine and COVID. CDC is changing their requirements on COVID now, especially uh, indoor masking, which I think should come to a relief to most of us. 
in this country. I know that a lot of us, uh, especially listening to this podcast, a lot of people on the left are going to have a hard time accepting that it's okay not to wear a mask inside. Now, if you're vaxxed and you're boosted, it's probably been okay for you to wear um, to go maskless inside for quite some time now, because even if you got COVID, it would have been a you know akin to a cold. And we're never going to get to a point in this country, or probably ever again, where there's zero risk for COVID. That's just never going to happen. But we've got it down to an acceptable risk if you follow the guidance on vaccination, meaning get your vaccines, get boosted. I have a feeling we're going to get need to get boosted annually, if not twice a year. So there will be more shots coming in the arm. Um, but I think it's time for us to say, these are the risks of COVID. And now I'm going to accept these risks and I'm going to move on. Uh, I'm going to do everything I can to protect my family, myself, through the science. But I'm going to start living my life. Now, if you are at higher risk, you might want to wear a mask. You might want to avoid big crowds, but if you're healthy and uh, you're not at any elevated risk to COVID, at some point, we've got to just accept that it's here to stay and it's time for us to live our lives and accept the risk. Uh, For me, as someone who's vaxxed, boosted, and has no other pre-existing conditions, my chance of serious hospitalization or death from COVID rounds to zero. I have a similar risk of getting hit by a car. I am not going to not walk on the street. So, um, yeah, I think that the right uh, was too quick to dismiss all these safety measures. And I think that the left is going to have a hard time letting them go. And we're going to be in a place where, you know, this country is further divided over this. Uh, We're at a point right now where we should be uniting as a nation to both fight the virus and to fight our enemies abroad because we have an enemy abroad right now whose sole purpose in life is to embarrass the United States of America. And um, unfortunately, too many Americans are right there with them. So we have to figure out uh, what fights we want to pick. And, 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 and frankly, if CDC is telling us to take a mask off and you're not at elevated risk, just take your mask off and, and be fine or, or not. Keep it on if you want. I, I'm not going to ever say that somebody doesn't have the right to wear a mask whenever they want. Quite frankly, you know, if you're sick with anything, not just COVID, with anything, stay home. Stay away from people. You don't need to suck it up anymore in America, okay? We, we, we as a nation need to allow for sick leave for people who are really sick. And frankly, maybe unlimited sick leave you know, provided there's sufficient proof of that sickness. People who get sick and come to work and get everybody else sick, I I can't stand that. I've never stood that. I never liked it before COVID. I don't like it now. So, you know, if you get sick, stay home. It's fine. Watch Netflix or or, or do Wordle or whatever you're going to do. But don't show up when you're sick. All right, America. I hope uh, this show hasn't been too much of a downer for you. Uh, Usually I like to be light and sweet at some point in the show and given the state of the world today it's been kind of hard so uh, I'm just going to remind you now as I always do to seek the truth question everything and everyone even me seek the truth I know it's out there and I know you'll find it if you look for it and I'll be back here next week to tell you the truth as I see it 
I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast.